Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is Don Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. Hey everybody, welcome to The Sports Beat. I'm glad that you're able to join me as I am joined by two guests. I got Nathan Spies, host of the popular Tennessee Titans fan podcast, Tennessee Titans Talk. I got Michael Burgett, host of the Screen Nerds podcast. Gentlemen, thank you for joining me on this show. Hey Richard, hey Michael. Hey, thanks for letting me be on. I tell you, it's really exciting. I've had over 260 episodes. I really appreciate both of you. Michael, I don't know you very well, but I'm looking forward to getting to know you. Nathan, we have a history. I've been a guest on your show, and you got me started in the podcast business. I really appreciate everything that you've done. Now, Richard, you are a great guest on my podcast. I've I host uh, the most popular fan um, podcast for the Tennessee Titans. We've had a very up and down, but a very fun year. We have a great fan base up in Nashville. Richard, I'm really excited to host you in just a few weeks as uh, oh, uh, the yeah. 49ers come and uh, and we host them. I can't wait to see you in, uh, in my vintage uh, Jarrell Casey jersey when you become a Titans fan for that day, right? And I will be supporting my <laughs> 49ers gear. I don't have any new 49ers jerseys. I have a Frank Gore jersey from the vintage 49ers. But that's a big one. The 49ers lost a heartbreaker to the Seahawks. And I know the Titans are 8-4. and four. They're in prime position in the AFC. But the 49ers need that one. So it's going to be tough. It's a yeah. Thursday night game on the 23rd, two days before Christmas. I cannot wait. No, in all seriousness, uh, the Titans are going to need that one too for AFC seating. We all know that. I'm really excited to host you, have up, have you up in Nashville. Uh, Richard, you've always had so much talent. It's so great to see your podcast grow. You've done a great job as a Alabama high school PA announcer. Everybody can see your work on social media. And I know you've uh, gotten a new recent opportunity. You're going to be part of the new, one of the flagship indoor soccer um, franchises uh, there in Columbus. And I can't wait to see your work starting in late December. December. I'm really excited to see your career grow. And I know you're going to do like you've done with everything you've had an opportunity to do. You can do an amazing job. And let's start it with this podcast. I know I'm really excited to talk about the NFL coaching carousel with both of you guys. Absolutely. Today's topic, we're going to talk about the NFL coaching carousel. Usually toward the end of the NFL season, head coaches start to sweat a little, whether they get retained or they stay on for another year. And one thing I'd like to see We've seen a lot of movement in college. So Mario Cristobal has accepted the head coaching position at the University of Miami. You have Brent Venables, the former defensive coordinator at the University of Clemson, accepting the head coaching position at the University of Oklahoma. So that leaves the Oregon position open. And then, of course, we had Billy Napier going to Florida. So the question is, which is the more intriguing position to coach at college or to coach in the NFL? That's interesting that you said because I always wondered that. Like, if I were if I were a coach, Michael, would I be okay with a college guy? Would I want to do my whole career in college, or would I do like some of these guys? And they always look to the NFLs like the ultimate. Like some of these guys obviously seem okay with college. I think that's what Richard's getting at. For me, I think I would be a college guy. I love the collegiate atmosphere. I love like an academic type culture, but still in a small town. 
I don't think the NFL and the dining hour weeks would ever appeal to me. And honestly, I I would want to find a place and grow it. I wouldn't necessarily hope to, uh, especially today, where even the smaller schools, like you see Hugh, Hugh Freeze making $3 million a year at Liberty. But I want to ask you, Michael, I want to start with you. Would you be an NFL guy or would college be your thing? For me, college coach all the way. I think personally for me, I would enjoy being an NFL coach. And I think that there's a lot of possibilities there with college to, I mean, really, you're, you're kind of stuck in this mindset of I got to recruit all the time. I got to go get players all the time. Whereas in the NFL, uh, you're more focused on just coaching your team. And the general manager is the one that's uh, – the one that's finding your players. Of course, you know, the downside of it too is with the pro ranks, you're only able to draft players. Mm -hmm. Whereas in college, you can recruit, you know, 20 or 30 first round picks. Like Uh, for instance, Nick Saban has a first overall pick every year. It's called his recruiting class. Yes. And so, uh, but just for me, I think just that pressure of not having to be out there and recruiting all the time uh, on your off season, uh, for me, it'd just be easier just to go into the NFL and coach and, and do what I want to do there. Michael, I agree, but these athletic directors and general managers in the National Football League, they're starting to get too impatient. You look at a coach like Dan Mullen. He goes to three straight New Year's Six bowl games. He has a 6-6 six and six season, and he's gone. In the NFL, right now, yeah. they're starting to get impatient with guys like New York Jets head coach Robert Sala. Like Matt Nagy, he's going to have a losing record for the first time in his career, and he might be out of a job. So it's really hard, and there's a lot of pressure on coaches, especially when there's a short leash. I think basically NFL and college are kind of the same role. They make the same money now, and they have the same amount of pressure. So, uh, What's mm-hmm. a better way to build up a college football program? Luke Fickle? Like building up a Cincinnati team. Well, like, what would you do? Like, would you be a lifer, like uh, him or the guy from Vatek, or would you kind of be the ultimately? I'm going to try to get to LSU or Alabama or Ohio. State? To be honest with you, I want to be that coach that is the hot coach that everybody wants, and then all of a sudden the school ponies up and offers me a 10 year extension, like with Mel Tucker. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like you. I want to be. I want to make a program to be like Duke wasn't good at basketball until Coach K. You, you ultimately that's the ultimate. Better than it's like, oh yeah, Saban made Alabama good again. But they've they always had. They've always been know, the tradition. They've always had the tradition. They've always been good. I, I, I'd like to be good where somebody's never been good before. Where, I mean, where was Duke before Coach K? But with Luke Fickle, Cincinnati was good under Brian Kelly. It was good under Butch Jones. Oh, no question. But they definitely, I don't know, well, obviously to be the first non-Power 5 team in the – Oh, yeah, the, the, the first whatever, non-Power that's, 5 team. That's, that makes him better Spe- than all. He's going to yeah, make I mean, him special. He took over for Jim Trussell, went 6-7 and seven with Ohio State, and then he yeah. got the Cincinnati oh, he got job. And the, yeah. He took over his first year at Cincinnati. He was 4-8. and eight. Oh, yeah, he's a builder. He's more of a foundational guy. He's not a – Quick turnaround guy. There's no question. And I think Notre Dame would have had to been patient with him, and I think that maybe why it would have never worked. I think it worked out well. I think he needs to stay at Cincinnati and uh, just see how far they can go. They're going to go to the Big 12, and we'll see. We shall see with Cincinnati. Now, on the other hand, Lane Kiffin climbing up the ladder 
He was a very young coach when Al Davis hired him in 2007. He was 31 years old. After a year and a half in Oakland, he was 5-15 and and was fired. Went to the University of Tennessee. You live in Tennessee. You remember the hype about Lane Kiffin in that first year with the Vols. And still, to this day, Tennessee fans do not like how he left. He got up in the middle of the night and took the head coaching job at USC. He had an average run at USC. He had a 28-15 record. He was fired on the tarmac. And then you would think that Lane Kiffin's head coaching career was over. But here comes Nick Saban, and he makes him his offensive coordinator. He was the offensive coordinator at Alabama from 2014 to 2016, which included a national championship in 2015. Nathan, do you think that that is the way to go, is to rehabilitate a coach letting him go to the school of Nick Saban and be a great offensive coordinator, and then once again he'll be a hot head coaching candidate? Yeah, it certainly worked for him. I think the question uh, is where does Lane Kiffin go from here? I mean, we all see uh, from the outside looking in that he's ideal for Ole Miss, and I'd, Ole Miss is ideal for him. Now, the pressure isn't like the, these other jobs he would take. Let's say he would take this LSU job or you take another job or if he just stayed at USC. Uh, nine or ten or even eight wins at uh, Ole Miss is acceptable. To be fun and interesting is acceptable. He's ideally suited for Ole Miss. The question is, does he realize that? Is he going to have his eyes for something else? And I think that's what the question we're asking is, would you want to be the guy that was always looking for the next biggest job or would you want to stay at a smaller program and uh, and sort of build something yourself? And I – I think the big thing for Lane Kiffin is, does he realize that he is Ole Miss as a coach? I mean, that's they're perfectly suited for each other. And uh, we'll, we'll just see how that works out. It seems that this year, anyways, uh, he realizes that. I think he has a really good shot at Arch Manning in 2023. And if I'm being honest, uh, Richard, I think that's what he's hanging around Oxford, Mississippi for. The opportunity to have four years. With a Manning, and that certainly worked well for Phil Farmer and worked even better for David Cutcliffe. We'll see. Yeah, I am a fan of Lane Kiffin. I I think he makes the SEC West very interesting. I like to see what the SEC West is going to look like when Texas and Oklahoma join the conference in 2026, which means more than likely Alabama and Auburn will move to the SEC East. Interesting to think about that. Okay, Michael, what would you rather be, a college coach or an NFL head coach? Uh, I would say I would rather be an NFL coach because, uh, you don't have to worry about recruiting. You don't have to worry about having to deal with boosters, uh, uh, which could be numerous in number. Uh, really all you have to do is just focus on your team, uh, focus on your players and, and just go from there. And and you can, uh, have free reign on that as well. I do agree. I mean, there are certain ways to build up uh, college coaches, Luke Fickle, he built up a program at Cincinnati. If I was a college coach, I'd much rather have the Luke Fickle route because uh, especially if I'm trying to sell myself to an AD, I want to be able to say, hey, I'm a loyal guy. I'm one if you hire me. I'm going to be with your school. I'm going to be in your program, and I'm going to help develop and be a part of that. With Lane Kiffin, he's too much of a hired gun. He's one that – if he sees an opportunity, he's going to take it. We've seen that way too many times uh, throughout his career. He, he, Even this past season, with the success that he had at Ole Miss, his name was being bandered about 
for all these different head coaching opportunities. So do you really want that as an athletic director to be, you know, kind of looking over your shoulder, seeing, is this guy going to be taking the next job? Or do you want somebody that is willing to stick around for a while and help develop and grow? And for me personally, that that's why I would want to have more of the personality of a Luke Fickle than a Lane Kiffin. But I was telling Richard that I think everyone knows that, and that's a really well-stated point. But the question is right, Mikey, is does Lane Kiffin realize that Ole Miss is the ideal job for him? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he realizes that. But at the same time, too, I was uh, hearing some people talking. Um, I think it was on ESPN this morning. Uh, or it was on local radio talking about how Oxford's not a great destination for recruiting. Uh, it actually was a, a local sports radio in Nashville. They were talking about how difficult it is to get recruits in and that even with the success that Lane's having at Ole Miss, his, his recruiting class is, I think, right now below Vanderbilt uh, uh, in the recruiting ranks right now. It's just a hard place to recruit, even with the success that Lane has. So when I was talking earlier about the fact that, you know, you got to always look over your shoulder about where Lane's going to go there because that it, it may get to that point where Lane's thinking, well, maybe I can't recruit as well as I want to here. Maybe I need to go somewhere else. All right, gentlemen, switching gears from college to the NFL. We do have a Thursday night game. This Thursday between the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Minnesota Vikings. And it got me thinking, with about a month to go left in the season, gentlemen, we're going to play a little game called Coaches on the Hot Seat. Do you want to retain them? And the first coach I'm going to start with, and I'm going to ask both you, Nathan, and you, Michael, would you keep this coach or would you fire him after the end of the regular season? We're going to start with Minnesota Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer. Nathan, Keep or fire? You know, I don't like this game because I, so many times I think coaches get fired and I think, well, I could have been more patient with this guy. It's just such a impulsive, reactionary business now. There's so much money thrown around. All that being said, I cannot believe that Mike Zimmer was not fired on Monday. I mean, what a, what a performance Sunday, right? And I think this has been building. I think Mike Zimmer is a top-notch character-type individual. I remember him from his defensive coordinator days with the Cowboys. I think he did a really good job. I think he has run his course in Minnesota. That is such a on-again, off-again, hot-and-cold team. I think they need new leadership. I think he'd be a really good defensive coordinator from there. Uh, he's still a young guy. Who knows? But – obviously it is not working. I mean, you never know. Michael, are they not the biggest, like, you never know team? Like, I know a lot of people bet on football now more than ever. Who would have the nerve to bet on the Vikings? You never know what you're going to get from Kirk Cousins on down. I think Zimmer's time in Minnesota has got to be done. I think he's, for me, he's fire all the way. Yeah, for me, I would say he's probably fire at this point just because the tenure that he's been in, he's been there since 2014. Uh, they've had opportunities. They've gotten to the NFC title game. Uh, they've gotten so close to being in the Super Bowl with him. But he just really hasn't taken that next step. And with the offense that they have right now, uh, with the weapons that they have, and to not be able to get over the hump and to kind of get past – uh, by some of these other teams in the conference, 
it just feels like their their window has closed and so they kind of almost need to do a rebuild and to do that rebuild they probably need to move on from Mike Zimmer at this point. Gentlemen, I would agree with you. Mike Zimmer has been the coach since 2014. He had three playoff appearances, but he never had any playoff appearances back-to-back. Now, after missing the playoffs last year, they finished 7-9. to The Vikings are 5-7. and Usually, if you miss the playoffs and have two straight losing seasons, that is grounds for termination in the NFL because general managers are impatient. You have the window with Dalvin Cook in his prime. You have Adam Thielen. And they have a very high-powered offense. I think Minnesota needs to get an offensive mind in here, like a Kyle Shanahan or a Sean McVay, to help Kirk Cousins and to get this offense back on track. Because anytime you have a defensive coach and the defense is not a top-five defense, that is problematic. I believe Mike Zimmer is going to go as well. Richard, do you think he's lasted as long as he has because of that seventh playoff seed? Do you think because the NFC only has five good teams that they just hang on for the fact that we have so much talent, we have such a good offense, potentially we're going to hang on and see if he makes the playoffs. Do you think that's why he's lasted as long as he had? Because it seemed like a month ago he was a dead man walking. I agree, and with that extra playoff spot, it gives a lot of teams hope. Remember the Bears went 8-8 last year and made the playoffs. The Vikings were 5-5 and going into that game against the 49ers, And obviously the 49ers won that game. The winner has full control of that sixth seed. And right now, Minnesota at five and seven, they're tied with Carolina, New Orleans, Atlanta, Philadelphia jumped them and they're six and seven. So yeah, if the Vikings don't make the playoffs, Mike Zimmer's gone. But still, I agree, Nathan, that extra playoff spot gives these mediocre teams hope of making the playoffs. All right, so the next coach I want to talk about is Matt Nagy, the head coach of the Chicago Bears. He has not had a losing season yet. He was hot right off the start with Mitchell Trubisky as his quarterback. He went 12-4, and but that playoff heartbreak against the Philadelphia Eagles, we all remember the triple doink by their Bears kicker. And since then, he's had me- mediocrity. Mitchell Trubisky is out of town. In comes Justin Fields. Time has run out, especially for the general manager and Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace. They want to make sure that Justin Fields was the right guy in Chicago. So I tell you, gentlemen, does Matt Nagy get retained or does he get fired? Well, I think I'm going to be a departure from like common thought here. I don't think Nagy, I know he, just in the national media especially, he's just... He's been through a lot. I mean, he's sort of a punchline. I don't think Matt Nagy and his play calling is the issue. I think they should build on what they have and all earn together. I think Ryan Pace is the issue. Just think of all the tight ends that they've drafted early. I I just think the guy's totally overrated. I mean, I really think what they did uh, to draft Justin Fields has been good, but that was sort of obvious. I I don't know why other teams didn't do that. We're going to look back at other teams, and and we're not going to understand why they didn't take – I think Justin Fields, you never know about these guys, but physically and like between the ears and his leadership, uh, he was a really worthy risk there. I don't think they have a lot of talent up and down this roster. And I think if you put Matt Nagy as the play caller or the head coach on an above average team, I think it'd be different. So 
I think a lot of people will disagree with me here, maybe you two, but I think Nagy should get another year. I don't think he's a problem. I think talent is the problem in Chicago. I agree with you, Nathan. I think that Matt Nagy should be retained. The issue is the general manager. You know, drafting Justin Fields, that was a great pick. They He fell into their lap. But the whole Khalil Mack trade, he wasn't even on the roster. He got injured this year. I think they gave up too much for Khalil Mack. They were trying to fortify that defense. But the defense is not the issue. It's always been the offensive line. Too many times I've watched Justin Fields run for his life because that offensive line is not protecting him. And, of course, they've had injuries over the years like Tariq Cohen. I like their wide receiver, Allen Robertson. But they've had tight ends like Jimmy Graham. Uh, that Cole Komet from Notre Dame. But still, when you're in a division with Aaron Rodgers and you expect to win, it is hard to actually get up off the mat and win. And if he has a down season this year, the organization is not going to be happy with him. They think that he's the problem. But remember, he got to the playoffs last year at 8-8 eight and eight with Mitchell Trubisky. So I don't think Matt Nagy is the problem. I think it's the general manager, Ryan Pace. But you know the general manager is going to make all the decisions unless the ownership does something about Ryan Pace. Unfortunately, I think that head coach Matt Nagy is going to be gone. Mikey, what do you think about Matt Nagy? Would you fire him? Uh, I would clean house. I'd fire him. I'd fire Ryan Pace because I think that you don't want to stunt the growth of Justin Fields. I think you invested way too much in him as a high pick. You want to make sure that he is that franchise quarterback that you haven't had since Jim McMahon or Sid Luckman, <laughs> given the you know stellar – history of quarterbacks with Chicago. So you want to make sure that he's all taken care of and legit. So right now, Matt Nagy's not really doing that. And true, a lot of that could be put on Ryan Pace with his picks and his free agent signings. So really, I think you just clean house, you get a new GM, you get a new coach, you make sure that Fields is taken care of, and you just move forward from there. The next coach that's on the hot seat is Denver Broncos head coach Vic Fangio, who has not had a winning record. He took over in 2019, went 7-9, and 5-11 last year, and 6-6 six and six this year. The big issue is getting the quarterback right. There has been a battle between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, but they passed up on Justin Fields, Mac Jones, in this last year's draft. I do like the corner, Patrick Sertain. Vic Fangio is a defensive guy. The Broncos have always had a good defense, but they just traded away Von Miller to the Los Angeles Rams, which told you at the time they were given up on the season. They lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. They're now 6-6 six and six in danger of missing on the playoffs for Vic Fangio's third straight season. So, gentlemen, I ask you, does Vic Fangio get fired or get retained? I would say that he gets fired, too. <laughs> and I'm not one to be, you know, firing people left and right, but you just happen to pick the ones that I would say are the ones that are going to be fired. And I think he's one of them because the new GM or uh, the newer GM that's there and in charge, I think he wants to have his coach. I think he wants to have his stamp on things. And so to do that, he needs to get his coach in there. And I think once he gets that coach in there, they'll look at this year's draft and be the draft that they go and get the quarterback that they want. And they do have some good pieces in there. Like you said, Sertan is there with that defense. I think they have some quality 
offensive weapons there. They just really need to stabilize and get that quarterback. If Bridgewater is a good quarterback, but I don't think he's that quarterback that's going to take you to the next level at this stage. Uh, he was prior to that gruesome injury that he had uh, when he was in Minnesota. But I think really they need to take that next step and get a new coach in, get that new quarterback in, and then go from there. Michael, I'm glad they gave Vic Fangio another year. I think it would have been premature. Ultimately, uh, Vic Fangio is a really good defensive coordinator, a generationally great defensive coordinator. And I think if he had a good offensive coordinator and an above-edge quarterback, I think he'd be a perennial playoff head coach. But he doesn't have those things, and so he's not. And uh, I think ultimately, um, if they would have – I think Richard referred to this. If they'd have picked Matt Jones, maybe it would be different. But they didn't, and I think um, they're going to blow things up, and uh, I think they're going to move forward, and they need to find a quarterback. Uh, I like Teddy Bridgewater, but he's a character guy, and he just physically, and with his injury history, just uh, they can't move forward. They're like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and they're like the Tennessee Titans from two years ago, and they're like the Patriots from last year. If they ever got an above-average quarterback, they would be in the driver's seat. They'd be a really good team. They have a lot of talent on defense. They... Uh, they have a lot of good skill position players, but we all know this league well enough. It's about the quarterback. They need to find a quarterback, and I think this is Vic Vangio's last season in Denver. All right, gentlemen, I got one that is somewhat controversial. Seattle Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll. He has had his first losing season with Russell Wilson. First of all, before he even got Russell Wilson, he was a 500 head coach. He was 7-9 his first two seasons in Seattle. He gets Russell Wilson, and in Russell Wilson's second season, goes 13-3 and and wins the Super Bowl. Then they almost win the Super Bowl in 2014, but if it wasn't a bonehead play call and not running Marshawn Lynch at the goal line, Seattle would have won back-to-back Super Bowls, and they would have became the next big dynasty in the last decade. However, the salary cap with the Legion of Boom, Earl Thomas wanting more money, Camp Chancellor retiring, Richard Sherman going to the 49ers, and that Seahawks team was not the same. Their defense was not the Legion of Boom anymore. Marshawn Lynch left in 2015, and Russell Wilson, especially last year, was carrying this team on his back. I noticed in that game against the 49ers, I thought the Seahawks were left for dead, but you never count out a rivalry game where Russell Wilson's going to play out of his mind, but still... I think with the right offensive head coach, Russell Wilson could tear up this league and the Seahawks could just about be in Super Bowl contention every year. So I know it's controversial. Pete Carroll is a Hall of Fame head coach. But if you are the general manager for the Seahawks, do you fire him or do you retain him? Well, you don't know this, Richard, but I'm actually a Seattle Seahawks fan. Wow. <laughs> so, so it, it's been a rough season, uh, although last week was, was uh, a nice get-right game, so to speak. But really, I don't think the question is, is do they retain Pete Carroll or not? The question is, does Pete Carroll retire or not? Because I think really that's the question is, is does he say at the end of the season, you know what, I've had a good career uh, I've done a lot of good things. I won the national championship in college and won the Super Bowl. Uh, do I want to just go ahead and ride off into the sunset? Or does he think, you know what, I got another run in me? Uh, this is definitely a good episode. Well, gentlemen, I really appreciate you being guests on my podcast. We should do this again sometime. It sounds good, Richard. It's been great to be on. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Really appreciate it. 
Absolutely. Well, that's all the time I have on the show. I do want to thank all my listeners and all my subscribers that have downloaded to my podcast. And don't forget, I'll be back on the air tomorrow morning as we get into the world of sports. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Have a good day. You've been listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdry. We invite you to download and subscribe. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Google Cast, Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been The Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved.